Part two, chapter ten of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter ten, eighteen hundred to eighteen hundred and eight. Life at Le Bouille. Finally, about the month of September, we decided to leave for Le Bouille. About three years before, we had sold our house in Paris at a very low price. It was situated in a bad quarter, the Rue du Bac. I no longer remember the disposition which my husband made of the proceeds of this sale. On his return, he found the affairs of his father as well as his own in such great disorder and he was so unfortunate in everything he undertook that in spite of his intelligence and his capacity he did not seem to succeed in anything my husband set out alone for tesson and i engaged a driver who took me home by short journeys in a large carriage which held besides myself my son my two daughters the instructor monsieur de cologne and my maid marguerite we finally arrived at Le Bouille, where I was happy to be once more. I had great need of repose. An excellent girl whom I had left there had taken care of everything in good shape. My husband arrived a few days later, and we finally found ourselves all reunited in our home. My husband devoted himself to agriculture and the education of his son, in which I assisted, in order that he should not forget his English. Humbert was then ten and a half years of age, while Charlotte was four and Cécile six months. My excellent maid Marguerite devoted herself with as much attention and tenderness to the dear children as I did myself. A short time after our arrival at Le Bouille, a cousin of my husband, Madame de Morville, came to stay with us. She had lost all the property which she possessed in France, and her principal resource was a pension of forty pounds sterling paid to her by the English government. This had been given her as the widow of a general officer of the French navy who had taken service with England. A thing which I may say in passing was very villainous. Madame de Morville was very fond of Monsieur Latour Dupin. She was four years older than he and had known him since his childhood. She was very happy to be with us. Madame Denin came to Le Bouille on several occasions during the eight years we resided there. At the time of her first visit, which lasted several months, she brought Elisa, the daughter of Monsieur Lally who had just left the school of Madame Campan. I was asked to undertake finishing her education. Mademoiselle de Lally at that time was fifteen years of age, and I received her with pleasure. She was a sweet, good child, quite well grounded in orthography, music and dancing, while the cultivation of her mind had been almost completely neglected. I looked at the mission which had been confided to me as a heavy charge and a great responsibility to take. Nevertheless, my husband urged me to accept, and his wish for me was a law against which the thought of resisting never occurred to me. 
as we were not in a state of fortune easily to increase our expenses my aunt arranged that monsieur lally should pay us as pension for his daughter a sum equivalent to that which he had paid for her with madame Rampon. to accept such a condition seemed to me a backward step on our part nevertheless we submitted besides this monsieur lally undertook the charge of paying the personal expenses of his daughter elisa had no ground to complain of these arrangements and i am able to say that we also had no reason to regret them in assuming the education of mademoiselle de lally i was only doing what it was necessary for me to undertake later on with my own daughters my husband for his part undertook to teach her history and geography i took charge of the english lessons and the instructor of my son gave her lessons in italian our reading aloud was also of benefit to her she was very fond of my children especially of cecile whose first education she began we were preoccupied my husband and i with the future of our children and this was not the least of the disquietudes which the bad state of our affairs caused us the estate of le Buil, reduced to its bare land value represented very little the war with england had reduced the price of wines to almost nothing especially white wines already at this time of little value in our part of the country this wine could then be bought at from four to five francs a barrel my husband installed an equipment for making eau de vie and went to quite heavy expense to put this apparatus in working order but the profits from this commerce permitted us at least to live soon it was necessary for us to think of the future of our son which was our principal concern my aunt and monsieur lally wrote us from paris that all the persons whom we had formerly known had rallied to the government the concordat had just been published and the re-establishment of religion had a prodigious effect in the provinces until this moment divine services were only held in private rooms if not entirely in secret and the priests were almost always returned emigres there was therefore universal joy when monsieur w de sanzai a man highly esteemed was appointed archbishop at bordeaux we had the honour of entertaining him at le Buil during the first two days which followed his taking possession of the diocese we brought together to receive him all the good cures of our former estate which comprised nineteen parishes the greater part recently appointed had returned from foreign countries others had been concealed with their parishioners or in private houses our archbishop was adored by all and his entry into bordeaux was a triumph the gratitude which all felt went out to the great man who held the reins of government when he proclaimed himself consul for life this gratitude was shown by the almost unanimous approbation of those who were called upon to vote upon this proposition 
a little later there appeared in the communes the lists upon which it was necessary for the voters to inscribe their names and respond by yes or no to the question as to whether the consul for life should be proclaimed emperor monsieur de la tour du pin was in a state of great indecision before he decided to write yes upon the list at saint andre de cubzac i saw him walk up and down alone in the garden but i did not try to penetrate his thoughts finally one evening he entered and i learned with pleasure that he had just written yes as a result of his reflections in eighteen hundred and five i went with elise lally to pass some time at bordeaux one day at mass elisa was observed by a young man the most distinguished in bordeaux by birth face and fortune monsieur henri Do. elisa was very small but she had a superb head of black hair very brilliant colour the freshness of a rose and the handsomest eyes in the world a friend bulquin after the loss of his fortune caused by the failure of his company which furnished provisions for the army had returned to take up his residence at bordeaux for an indefinite time he learned through friends that monsieur henri d'or had spoken in terms of eulogy to certain of his comrades of the young lady who was being brought up by madame de la tour du pin and declared that none of the young ladies of bordeaux had so pleasant and agreeable a manner he asked for information regarding us her manner of life and so on my husband who had been named president of the canton without having solicited the office had gone to paris for the coronation i wrote him of the gossip which had been reported to me and he spoke of it to monsieur lally the latter was then taken up with the endeavour to secure the repayment of quite a large sum of money which the state owed him since the rehabilitation of his father and the cancellation of his death penalty that is to say since three years before the revolution this indebtedness of the state had been recognised as valid by the council of state but the sum having been reduced two-thirds like all the funds did not amount to more than a hundred thousand francs napoleon who desired to rally monsieur de lally to his government wished that the reclamation should be entirely successful when my husband spoke to monsieur de lally of the contents of my letter he declared without hesitation that if he received this sum he would give it to his daughter the day of her marriage you will see how he kept his word we arranged to go to bordeaux for the carnival season in order to give monsieur Do the chance of seeing elisa at the balls which were given in the salons of the former intendance about this time i had the great sorrow of losing our dear maid marguerite whom i loved as a mother this caused me very sincere grief my husband had seen at paris several persons of his acquaintance all of whom had entered the service of the government among them monsieur marais afterwards duc de bassano they urged him to attempt to obtain some employment 
without exactly refusing he replied that if the emperor wished to have his services he well knew where he could find him and that the role of a solicitor did not please him monsieur de talleyrand could not comprehend reluctance of this kind but he felt nevertheless in his mind rather than his heart that there was a sort of distinction in not mingling with the crowd of solicitors he only said shrugging his shoulders cela viendra and then he thought no more about it my husband returned to le Bouille. he had seen monsieur malloway who had just been named prefet maritime at antwerp in charge of the large shipyards there to which he gave so tremendous an impetus these gentlemen had come to an understanding that when Humbert was seventeen years of age, he should receive a position in the office of Monsieur Malouet. The Institution des Auditeurs Conseil d'Etat was not then in existence. They had commenced, however, to talk of it, and we were of the opinion that it would be useful for a young man who was destined for business to work for a time under the eyes of a man as keen and competent as monsieur malouet as he had much friendship for us we could entrust our son to him with entire confidence the thought of this separation nevertheless weighed heavily on my heart the eighteenth of october eighteen hundred and six as i was dressing in the morning i saw passing on the terrace our good dr dupuis who had been at Nabil for several days, I asked him laughingly where he had come from so early in the morning. He replied that he had just been to report the death of one of our neighbours, who had passed away suddenly in getting up that morning. I knew this person very well, and had had a long talk with her only the evening before. This event upset me to such a degree that that very morning I gave birth to my youngest son, Aymar, the only one of my children who is living at this writing. In the meantime, we had not lost sight of the important affair of the marriage of Elisa. Under pretext of having our baby vaccinated, we went about Christmas time to pass six weeks at Bordeaux with our excellent friend Brucon. He had succeeded in winning to our side monsieur de marvotin de couteneux former councillor of parliament the uncle of monsieur d'eau his wife having been the sister of the mother of monsieur d'eau this young man after the death of his mother which happened a long time before felt towards his aunt a real filial affection monsieur de couteneux desired to re-enter the judicature and monsieur de lagny was understood to have very good standing with the government this was another reason which led Monsieur de Couteneux to favour the marriage of his nephew. Besides this, pride apart, we enjoyed such consideration of Bordeaux that a person admitted into our family life would have a certain standing. The young people met at several balls. They also met on the street and at church, where we were always sure to see Monsieur Do finally one day madame de couteneux presented herself officially at my house to ask for the hand of the young lady for her nephew as a good old diplomatist 
I replied that I was ignorant of the plans of Monsieur de Lally for his daughter, but that Monsieur de la Tour du Pin would go to see him at Le Bouille, where he was at the moment, and present the proposition to him. My husband went there, as arranged, and returned the following day with Monsieur de Lally. All was soon arranged. Then followed the congratulations, the dinners, the evening entertainments. We received a call from the aged father of Monsieur Do. He was a gentleman of the olden days, without the least vestige of intelligence or instruction. It was said that he had bored his wife to death. This did not prevent him, however, from possessing more than 60,000 francs of income. The day of the signature of the contract, Monsieur de Lally counted out for Monsieur Do, as he had agreed, a hundred bags of one thousand francs, representing the Do of his daughter. It was the only time in my life that I ever saw so much money at one time. The marriage took place at Le Bouille, the 1st of April, 1807. At this season there were no flowers except little pink and white marguerites. Madame de Morville, Charlotte and I constructed a charming Ypern for the dinner, the bottom of which was of moss with the names of Henri and Elisa, written in flowers. All these preliminaries and the marriage itself had very much upset me and taken me out of my tranquil and regular habits. I was therefore very glad to return home to enjoy the last months which my son was to pass with us. My aunt and Monsieur de Lally returned to Paris, and I remained alone with Madame de Mauville. End of part two, chapter ten.